You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black lead brand, we make room for another black lead brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black lead products that fit into your daily routine. Show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. When I got to college, I started to study religion on a quest to find more knowledge about God. And I left knowing less than when I went in. (laughs) (laughs) Deadass. And I can empathize with you because we took that religion class together. Yes. Being being purposeful about seeking the knowledge and then with the abundance of knowledge, realize that we were totally confused. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. (laughs) Oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we Mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. (laughs) We about to take pillow talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. So when I was 18 years old, I decided to go to college, as Mm -hmm. most people do when they want to just get away from their family. But I grew up in a Baptist household. I grew up with family who were deacons, ministers, ministers of music. So I just knew that God existed. And I met this beautiful woman by the name of Kadeen. Y'all might know her. She may be somewhere (laughs) around here. But, um... I found out that she was a seven-day Adventist. And I was just like, hmm. 
if I'm going to have kids, are they going to grow up Seventh Day Adventists or are they going to grow up uh, Baptists? Uh, well, Christian Baptists. So then I started to wonder, right? Because we go to church on different days, mm-hmm. right? So you go to church on Saturdays. I go to church on Sundays. So it's going to be a whole weekend in church. It's going to be a whole weekend in church. But I do remember thinking, right, if her beliefs don't match my beliefs, based on what my beliefs are, does that mean that her and all of her people go into hell? Mm. Because ultimately that's what you think, right? Growing up, in a, in a Baptist, especially a Southern Baptist church, you feel that everyone who doesn't agree with what you agree mm-hmm. is going to hell. So the fact that you didn't go to church on Sunday, I was wondering, does that mean Kadeen going to hell? And you know what? I thought the same exact thing. Dang. Promise you. I was like, so how is this going to work based off of everything that I've thought I've been taught? Even though I wasn't following it, per se. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, how is this going to work? How do you raise two children or more children? Or how do two people have children and then begin to raise these children when they may not be on the same page or in the same book? And the rest is history. Hmm. We figured it out. We're trying to figure it out. <laughs> so in honor of karaoke today, I'm going to sing right one of my favorite songs. Pull out the gospel right. playlist. Are you ready? Okay now. We fall down, but we get up. (laughs) We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down. And got up, got up. Deval used to sing this to the kids at night when they were like, they were crying. And I was like, sing them a song. And he's like, we fall down. I'm like, oh. That's one of my favorite songs. Is that That's Donnie McClurkin? I believe so. Yeah, is it, right? I think so. Don't If I'm wrong, That's please, dope. please, Mr. McClurkin. Deval was an active choir member back in the day with, yes, Aunt I sang Debbie, in the junior with choir. your aunt, Aunt I sang Debbie. In the junior choir. Shout out to yes, Aunt Debbie. We love her. Out of he reigns forever. He ran. She would be mad with that note. That note was terrible. Terrible. I'm going to stop on Debbie. I'm sorry. My favorite was Jesus love is bubbling over. That was a Sabbath school joint for me. Yeah, that's a Sunday Back school joint. Day. Hallelujah. And then you would just like be like, Tom, y'all was able to clap over. in Seven Day Adventures Church? Because <laughs> y'all know y'all got mad rules. You we can't do have clap. Rules. Y'all got to like. It was like a very conservative still. clap. It was a very conservative clap. Oh, you couldn't shimmy like, you, while you, clap? you couldn't shimmy with it. You couldn't bop. You couldn't drop. You couldn't double clap. You couldn't double clap. Nope. You know, because nope. Baptist churches, we be, we be getting it in. <laughs> it may be different now, but back in the day when I used to go, it was very, like, very rigid. So in a time when information is readily available to us, as we know now with social media, mm-hmm. so many things are instant access, does faith take a backseat to knowledge? Which is kind of ironic because if yes. the knowledge is there and people are seeking or maybe not seeking the knowledge when it comes to faith. Where does uh, where are people lying now with that? So today we have with us a dynamic spiritual leader, Pastor Reginald Wayne Sharp Jr. Yes, he is the pastor of Fellowship Ministry Baptist Church in Chicago, where he has been lauded for his commitment to service to the church community and commitment to bridging the gap. 
um, between spirituality and social activism, which is particularly key yes. uh, in the times that we're in. So even if you're not in Chicago, you may have been introduced to Pastor Sharp uh, this year when part of his sermon actually went viral. And we'll play a little bit of that for you guys. Yes. So now we're in this season, the church is still open. We're still worshiping. We're still doing ministry every week. And I thank God for it. But we will not return into this building until the Lord himself wakes me up out of my sleep, slaps me three times, pours water from heaven on my face, and warms my feet with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I have no choice but to jump out of my bed and say, yes, God. Until Welcome, that moment, yes. uh, Pastor Reginald. But you said we can call you Reggie. I feel like, are we there yet? Let's talk. All right. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, there. Let's we're do it. We're gonna, we just dove right in. We made ourselves comfortable. You know what I mean? Yes. Typically, we would love to have you in studio, but considering the time we're in, Zoom is the way. So we are, we're happy that you're taking time um, out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Yes, Pastor um, Reg. For sure. You know, um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about your shift from, you know, being in the sh- sanctuary to now being on YouTube every Sunday and how the dynamics have shifted for you a little bit um, and about your viral moment. Uh, tell us how that's changed your online presence presence so far well first let me say thank you i think y'all are dope you all represent my shirt thank you, <laughs> and, thank you. Uh, I, I feel like you planned that out did you plan that out i didn't my wife oh. bought the shirt i put it on That's and how your wife bought it let you me wear tell it. you sound like me sounds like me you <laughs> she, know? Bought, she bought right. the shirt. i sure did I was hey like, you know? hey we gotta thank god for good good women in our lives exactly but 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 no it's it's been a journey this year pastoring through a pandemic and actually that viral clip was me giving an announcement. Mm. People give church announcements every Sunday. And so I was giving an announcement, letting the people know we would not come back into the building until the White House opened, mm. until the tours at the governor's mansion opened. And it just took off and I, it was kind of humorous in a way. I said, until their stuff opened, Absolutely. none of our stuff will be open. Absolutely. And um, so it, it, it was humorous, but yet so truthful. And we're still... Uh, we're still moving on with ministry, but the building is closed because mm-hmm. we we wanted to put the people's health above the church's Absolutely. finances and our and our own desires. So it was a call that I had to make as a shepherd because we're called to guard and protect right. God's sheep, God's people. Right. So that was my choice. But moving from physical being in the person in, in person worship to the virtual experience, it has been an adjustment. But my favorite word for all leaders this year is you we've all had to learn how to pivot. I love that word. Yeah. Hey, if, if you don't know how to pivot, if you don't know how to adjust, if you don't understand what the word innovation means, yes. you're going to be lost in the sauce. So regardless of what organization you lead or run, we've all had to shift and be open to change. And really in many ways, it's been beautiful. That's what's up. So, you know, in the, in the, uh, the realm of pivoting, mm-hmm. allow me to pivot for a minute. Real quick, we talk about sheep and you leading God's sheep. But in 2020, when you call someone a sheep, they're normally that's normally a, a negative connotation. That normally says the people who are pretty much sleep and just follow anything blindly. So as a, a, a leader of faith, how do you balance between the changes that society has made with regard to how we lead people? And still continue to be um, truthful to the word. You know, and and truthfully speaking, I understand some connotations with the word sheep. How people could say, "No, that means you're just blindly following." Mm-hmm. No, but I think the 
the onus and the responsibility is more so on the shepherd. Okay. Uh, we're, we're called under shepherds in my context. Mm-hmm. I'm not the main shepherd, but I am called to shepherd, which means I fight wolves. We feed sheep and we fight wolves. Mm-hmm. So that's more on the prophetic side of ministry, not prophecy in the sense of I'm going to tell you what your future is. Right. No, I speak what I try to speak to people, what God will want said. So okay. that means I stand in some tense places. Mm. Uh, we have wolves of, of white supremacy. Wolves mm-hmm. of voter suppression, wolves of, of gender inequality. And so when I view myself as a shepherd, it's not that I'm saying the sheep aren't smart because I got more smart. I have more people with more degrees than I have sitting in the pew. Right. So right. by no means am I meaning by that people's intelligence or demeaning people. I'm saying my responsibility is still fighting wolves and making sure that I do the job I have to protect the people that God has called me to lead. So it is a new day. Um, and, and the folks are smart. People are intelligent. Right, so right. even if I had kept, even if I had kept my church open, <laughs> yeah, yeah, half yeah. of the people weren't coming. You're right, like, you're right about that. You, <laughs> you, you, you're not up on the latest 200,000 people have lost their lives this year. Trump right. has lost his mind. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if you stayed open, they'd be like, listen, pastor's tone deaf. He don't see what's going on in the world right, right. now. And it, it'll Come make on. him question. So, so if anybody is asleep, I think some preachers and pastors have been asleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and so we have to wake up to the changing of the times, stand up on what's current, what's flowing. And you can have faith and still be aware of the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I've that. Kind of, right. I found my balance in that tension. Like I just because I'm a man of faith doesn't mean I ignore all the facts. Right. right. Absolutely. Well, we, we deal with that faith versus facts but we call it a uh, religion versus spirituality right because we both grew up in different denominations because she was seven day adventist mm-hmm. and i grew up baptist so it was like how do we decide which one we're going to choose for our children right and did we have to particularly right choose did we have one? to choose? you know what i mean so i guess in your expert opinion would you say that there's a difference between just faith and religion um if so what's the difference if not how do they relate so faith is an experience that we all have every day. We, we've used this word faith to help people understand religion. But when you sat down in that chair and you didn't check to see if the screws were tightened, uh, if that chair will hold you up, you had faith in that chair. Mm-hmm. You just sat down in it. Mm-hmm. When you right. get on an airplane, when you get on the airplane and you didn't check the pilot's credentials, <laughs> right. that right. was faith. Right. So we all exhibit faith in every walk of life. And I think faith is just an, an experience of our religion, of our spirituality. Religion is more of the set of rules that are set in place mm-hmm. that are supposed to help us experience the holy other. Spirituality is more so without all the rules, without all the rituals, without all the creeds and the codes. It's just my experience with something greater than myself or with myself. Mm. Uh, different people experience spirituality in different ways. And so now, because the times are changing and you're dealing with this word called pluralism, you know, you know, religious pluralism, we are all growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo- Buddhists can live right next door to you. You right. can work with a Muslim person mm-hmm. or right. somebody in Islam. Mm-hmm. And so we're all having to understand how you can hold on to what you believe without damning, without demeaning or without diminishing what somebody else believes. Mm. So real real quick, can I just interject real quick? One of the major issues that I had 
growing up as a, as a, a child of God, because I grew mm -hmm. up in a Baptist church, was the belief that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then everyone else, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was hard for me to wrap my mind around because I felt like there's so many other people in the world who probably have never been introduced to Jesus Christ because they may believe in another religion. Mm -hmm. say, you're, say you're Buddhist. You know, um, I know um, the Jews believe that Jesus Christ was maybe a prophet, but he wasn't the son of God. So then my thought process growing up was, does that mean that Jews are going to hell? And I remember trying to ask questions growing up, and my the adults in my church would look at me like, why would you even ask that question? And no one would give me an answer. So it, it, it made me feel lost. What do you say to people now who, who have those same questions and are looking for the right way to have a walk with God? First, I want to say, I want to apologize for all the people who were so fearful of a question that would upset their equilibrium that they silenced you. Mm -hmm. When the truth is, it. if we walk by faith and not by sight, then the very essence of faith suggests I have to ask questions because I don't have certainty. Right. So, right. yeah, yeah. Faith in its essence means there's no certainty, right? Right. And so there are elements where as we walk with God, as we journey with God, God is not often intimidated. God is never intimidated by our questions. Mm -hmm. But the people who speak for God sometimes are intimidated by questions. Okay. And so we try to silence people. But what I want to say is it is nobody's place to determine eternity for anybody. My walk with God is my walk. I believe that Jesus Christ I acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And because I know who Jesus is for me, I invite people to journey with Jesus if that's what you choose to do. Right. But I don't spend my time, you know, bashing other faiths and other faith traditions right. because for those people, that's real for them. Right. That's that that's real for them. And while they may experience the holy that way, I experience the holy my way. I think um, instead of us getting caught up in the name why don't we all just find a way to learn to love each other affirm each other and there are basic principles that are true and transcendent in all faith traditions you can't limit joy just to christianity right you can't limit justice just to christianity you can't limit peace and understanding right. and being affirming and positivity just to one religion so if we get down to the essence of all of these religions, which I taught religion at Morehouse, I studied right. religion at Morehouse, Vanderbilt, all this stuff. If you get down to the essence of it all, they're all trying to say the same thing. That's what we that's, so, that's what we yeah. came to. I, I'm telling you, mm -hmm. Pastor Ray, <laughs> we were in college and we were studying religion. Yep. And we studied Islam, we studied Judaism, we studied Christianity simultaneously. Yeah. It was one of those things that when we started dating, we knew that we it was going to be the core of our relationship right. and our marriage one day. So we wanted to get on the same page about it. And we realized in talking to each other that we had so many um, mm -hmm. similar beliefs, but it was just a different way of teaching that it kind of came across to us. I remember, and I spoke about this on a former podcast that we did, when I first met DeVal and I brought him home, um, my fa family, who's seven-day Adventists, raised, raised in the West Indies on both sides, my parents particularly weren't as strict in the following of the right. teachings and the rules that went with seven-day Adventists because there are a lot of those. Um, however, I did have an aunt who is a devout, you know, seven-day Adventist and very, you know, um, serious about her walk. She said to me, like, oh, he's a nice guy, but he goes to church on the wrong day. 
And I was like, Ooh. there's a wrong day to go to church. And that yeah. really just like was off putting for me because I'm like, okay, so he's a nice guy from an amazing family and all that. But the fact that he goes to church on a Saturday and not a Sunday, or I mean, on a Sunday, not a Saturday was reason for her to be like, mm, I don't know. You know, and to me, that was very disheartening. So that was, that's what led us to do these religion courses to yeah. really try to seek for ourselves what was happening. You know, what 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 is it that we wanted to believe on, believe in? Right. Religion has too often put labels, limits, and lids on people. Yes. Labels, limits, limits and, and lids. lids. Hmm. So so and, and the whole time, the only L we're supposed to be exhibiting is love. Love, yeah. Like I just read before I jumped on here with you all, this scripture in John 13, one of my favorite scriptures, Jesus is like, they will know you're my disciples by how you love. It's mm -hmm. from right there at the end of John chapter 13. Like forget all the other stuff. He's like, they're going to know that you rock with me because of how you love each other. Mm -hmm. He was like, love one another. That's, this is the new commandment. So I know you can quote the Ten Commandments. I know you can quote all the law and all that stuff. He's like, I got one. I got a new commandment for you. Love one another. Mm. Do you know how much stuff we could solve in the world if we could get down to the what my grandma would call That's the nitty gritty? That's true. I mean, that like, is true. Yeah. The root of it. That is true. Mm -hmm. This is what we struggle with a lot because we want our boys to to grow up with love in their heart. You know, one thing that yeah. people say all the time is that they can notice our oldest son who's nine, that he has a lot of uh, empathy towards other people, that you can tell that uh, how other people feel matters to him. And what yeah. I feared growing up was putting him into a church environment where that that loss and empathy is gone because now it becomes a judging thing where you look at people to see who's sinning and you start counting sins because i remember at a point where you know when you're at nine and ten years old and you start to understand what the ten commandments are and you start to understand what's right and what's wrong you start to look at people differently and every time you see somebody you see a sinner you know and i feared putting them in that element to where now they grow up just looking at people at, at faults how many faults did you commit today so you know my question to you is where does faith lie in the nuclear family, especially the nuclear black family, mm -hmm. when it comes to how do you raise your children and how do you pick a significant other? Where does faith lie on that, that list? And to double down on that, how have you seen faith and religion, I guess, change from generation to generation, meaning from our parents or grandparents' generation to us and then now us raising children uh, right. today? You know, that is a deep question. We need two hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, can you give uh, us the cliff but, note but, version? But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you some footnotes and the cliff note. <laughs> okay. So my my grandparents, faithful people, mm -hmm. um, you know, very faithful, grew up in church. My mother, my father, again, another generation of Christianity, and I kind of inherited the faith initially, and then I made a decision in college to stay with the faith. Mm -hmm. um, we're my generation, some of these millennials and younger people. We're not as rigid in right. our beliefs. Right. Like we will listen to Cardi B and turn on gospel right. in a matter of two minutes. They right. might be on the same like, playlist. Oh, oh <laughs> my God. What? Because for us, we've really embraced some African traditions. And that is there is no separation between mm. secular and sacred. Right. Right. Mm. Uh, that, that, that it's been a diffusion over time between sacred and, and secular, because the truth is, it's all sacred. African traditions, uh, particularly in our community, give us space to say they're sacred and everything. Like you can hear a rapper get up 
and get an award. And he just cussed and called girls B's and H's. Mm-hmm. And he wins an award for his song. Mm-hmm. And he'll get up and say, hey, y'all, I just want to thank God for giving me this gift. And we like, what? Oh. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but it's very profound because he does not separate God giving him a gift to what is sung and maybe perpetuated in his music. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it is kind of edgy, even right. if I did cuss, even if I did throw some stuff in that might be, you know, looked at as risque. secular or, mm-hmm. or risque or even profane, I know God gave me the gift to rap. I know God gave me this gift for music. Right. So there's no separation. Mm-hmm. So you can see younger people saying, I'm going to go out here, twerk, enjoy myself at the club, and I'll, and I'll go to church the next day. Exactly. And like God is with me in all of this. As and throw I evolve, some coins in the collection plate. Absolutely. <laughs> all right now. So, <laughs> I, I, I really think my generation and our age group, we're like, no, don't don't try to separate what's secular and sacred for us. It's all sacred. Mm-hmm. And God is in it all. Uh, our older generation, they were more, uh-uh, this is how you dress. Right. This is how you talk. You have to marry this person. You can't love, you know, same gender loving relationships. Oh, no, the Bible's against it. And we're like, but y'all do know God is too big to be little. Right. Y'all do know that God is love and you can't control people and da, da, da. So mm-hmm. science has impacted us. Uh, updates and research has impacted us. Right. People are growing. People are evolving. And some right. people are against it. But the newer generation, I think, are saying, hey, God is so big, so loving. Uh, let's stop judging people by who they love, how they dress, how they talk, what they believe. Mm-hmm. And let's be bigger than that. Jesus is too big to be little either. So I don't know if that answered your question. Let me go back and add one more thing specifically mm-hmm. about your children. Mm-hmm. I understand how I, I've talked to so many couples my age, like, what do we do? You know, I want them to come into their own. I want them to believe on their own, whatever they choose to believe. At the same time, if you lay a foundation uh, in Christianity, the best of Christianity is what we give our children. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it's, it's, it's the basics. Grace, love, Grace. mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So Christianity at its best mm-hmm. is what we can instill in our children. And even if, you know, you all choose, you all are free now. So you can choose another faith tradition. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not here to judge. I will raise my children in a Christian setting because the best of Christianity is what helped me build my foundation. Right. And I believe that can help a child. Now, when they get to certain moments on their journey, I can say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's wrestle with this because right. it's going to come. Mm-hmm. It's going to come organically. Right. So when it comes organically and attention hits or two, two roads diverge into the woods, as Robert Frost said, you can stand there and help them negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Am I making any sense? No, no you, you are. No, you're absolutely total, making a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and total I, sense. I'll tell you what, what made the most sense for me. Uh, these We're over here words, taking notes and whatnot. Uh, these, <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to listen to this episode again myself. Yes, these these four words that you said, grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. On this podcast, if there's one thing people heard heard me say a lot is grace. I always yes. talk about giving your parents grace. Giving, giving your, each other grace. Giving your each spouse, other grace. Your, your kids grace. Yeah. But love, mercy, and forgiveness, and also um, not separating between sacred and secular. What I, what I think that allows people to do is to not feel isolated and right. judged while trying to go through their walk. Or trying to live within the because, confines of what's yes. deemed, you know, allowed. Or, yes, you know? because growing up in, in Flatbush, Brooklyn, our church was in the middle of the hood. 
So there were a lot of people people who only knew a secular lifestyle, who felt uncomfortable coming into church because they feared that they wouldn't be accepted. And me being kind of like a, a bridge between those folks and the church folks, because my father was a deacon, my, my aunt and my uncle were all pastors and ministers, I could see both sides. So that's what made me kind of realize like there has to be something different than the rigid traditions that existed, you know, back in the day. But that but that leads me to a question. You look at faith right now in politics, right? And you see where we are in politics and you can see, you know, all the Trump supporters are using Christianity as their way to say the reason, you know, we're the the solid Christian conservative people. And they're leaning on faith and religion as the reason why they'll continue to vote this way. But then also, if you look at, you know, our side, Black Lives Matter, is that mm -hmm. faith is what makes us believe that you have to treat all people equally. How is it that two people can be so polar opposite and use Christianity as the reason why they believe in what they believe? Like, can you talk about, because I had Jackson ask me this question. My son, nine years old, because he saw, wow. we were watching um, we were watching CNN, and they were at a Trump rally, and a dude had a cross on his shirt, and he talked about God, and then Jackson now, just like most people, when he sees a Make America Great Again hat, he automatically assumes that that person is racist. You know, it's like, mm. it's, so, it's so bad that we do this to our own, <clears throat> like we do this to people. You know, you just, everyone is, is monolithic. You got on a red hat. You're racist. You got on a BLM hat, then you're a socialist. You're a Marxist. It's, it's bad. It's terrible. Right. But it's I was strange. trying to explain to him that you can be you can be a Christian but have different political views. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, and how would you explain to children about being a Christian or being anything and still having different political views than the people who may agree that God is the one? Well, the best way I can explain is simply I would explain to a child, and I did this to my students at Morehouse, I held up a bottle of water and I had them stand in different parts of the room. Mm -hmm. And I said, now, what do you see where, from where you're standing? What do you see from where you're standing? And some saw the Dasani label. Some saw the ingredients on the back. Some on this side saw that the bottle was recycled. Ah. I said, mm -hmm. now, depending on where you're standing impacts what you see. What you see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what we all need, regardless of what you see, is the is water water. On the inside. Yeah. And so what happens is if I'm white, my context is going to influence what I see. If I'm black from the South side of Chicago, that impacts how I see. If I'm a woman, if I'm a black woman, that impacts it's called your social location. Even in religion. And so if I'm doing, I'm, even in even religion, in religion. Yeah. even, yeah. even when you read the Bible, you bring your story. You bring right. your experiences to the text. Mm -hmm. And so me as a black preacher, I don't preach the Bible like a white preacher would. Right. Uh, who has been who's experienced privilege and who's experienced uh, easy go at life. Right. I, I'm from Lithonia, Georgia. <laughs> right. I'm from right. the South. Right. Uh, so I, I see God as a liberator. I see God from my context as one that gets on the side of the oppressed and struggles with us. And somebody else may see God as, hey, God wants me to fight for white people to stay in power. Mm -hmm. God wants me to fight for anti-abortion laws. And God wants me right. to fight. So depending on where you're standing, at the same time, what's going to heal this country is when regardless of where you're standing, looking at the label on the bottle of water, when we're all able to humble ourselves and listen to each other and, and hear each other out and say, 
tell me what you see from where you're standing. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell you what I see from what I'm standing. Because until we're able to hear each other, listen to each other, there will be no healing in this country. Mm -hmm. You know what? That that right there is the ex the explanation because we were talking about the different uh -huh. forms of religion uh -huh. when it came to Islam, Judaism, Christianity. And we all kept saying it sounds like they all praying to the same God, but depending on where they right. were in the globe during the times, the stories were a little bit different. Right. And it was even like though, open to interpretation, but right. you interpret it based off of your own life experience. Your perspective. Where perspective. you were standing, that's what you saw. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Christian, mm. when you looked at Jesus, you saw the Son of God. If you were Jewish, where you saw, you saw a prophet. Mm -hmm. If you were Muslim, when mm -hmm. you were watching Jesus, you saw a prophet. If mm -hmm. you saw Allah, you saw a prophet. So it doesn't mean yeah. that they're all wrong or one is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just where I was standing when I saw that made me see God. But it made me see God through this perspective. This that that yep. makes a lot of exactly. sense. The lens is that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes your own lens, you got to just wipe that fog off sometimes and be like, oh, okay, I, just, I see now. <laughs> yes. It was a little right. blurry, but I see. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and let me tell you what's so beautiful is when, you know, what changed my opinions about even people in the LGBTQ community, because they're standing where they stand. I stand where I stand. When I'm able to finally see them as human beings, mm and not an object and not a subject and mm -hmm. not a, a spectacle, a topic, yes. mm -hmm. a spectacle. Mm -hmm. right. and, when, and when people are able to see us in other races, it's not just a subject. Right. But when I'm able to finally one day walk over to them and say, now tell me what you see from your place. Right. And they explain it. And go. then they walk over to me. And I said, now this is what I see from where I'm sitting. Do you understand the kinds of record, the kind of reconciliation the kind of, of of understanding, the kind of grace, come on, grace, mm -hmm. grace that yes. we would end up, the grace that we would give everybody. Because at the end of the day, regardless of your race, your religion, your gender, your sexual orientation, we all need some water to quench our thirsty right. soul. Mm. I don't care who you are. You're right. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs water. And that's why the example of the water bottle was so powerful. It does, it does make like sense. You yeah. keep, like you need what's on the inside. Mm. We need the main thing that keeps all of us alive. And that's water. And you can call that God, call that spirit, call that divine, call it what you want to call it, but you need it. <laughs> what I think is amazing about what you've been saying, a couple of different things, um, is that you meet people pretty much where they are. And I come from a background where, you know, there's a lot of evangelizing that happens and that we had crusades where they're like trying to convert the masses and, you know, trying to Converting. see, allowing yes. people, yeah, getting people to see what you see and, and buy into it. Um, and for me, I remember feeling as a child being in a Sabbath school or, you know, going to these crusades that were happening during the week in the summertime. And they're just trying to like, you know, convert as many people as possible. And there was like a pressure that I had sitting in the chair, like, okay, do, do I get up and go up now or, or do I not? Or I remember one time trying to go up and my mom was like, sit down. And I was like, well, wait, okay, do you want me to be here and be a seven-day Adventist? Do you want me to sit down and just be here because I'm here? I also remember feeling the, 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 the almost shame sometimes sitting in the pews and feeling like the pastor was, like, talking at me. I remember very vividly one Sunday, uh, Saturday, I went into church and 
I um, had on a little like, you know, business suit that I was wearing, you know, no earrings. No, I actually had earrings in when typically seven day adventures, you're not supposed to wear earrings. So I had earrings in my ear. I had on a business suit that was fitting well. I had on some heels. I felt good. I was like, I'm gonna show up for the Lord today because I was feeling good. And I remember sitting towards the middle of the church, the sanctuary, and I, the, the pastor started talking about like Jezebel and like, also, I just remember feeling really small because it's almost as if he was preaching at me mm. in that moment. Um, and it talked about like material things and like outer appearance. And I just, it's almost as if I felt like the walls of the sanctuary was closing in on me and he was preaching at me. And I felt such mm. a shame after that because I felt like, well, now they're not going to want me to be converted into whatever it is. Or I had to convert myself into whatever it is they needed me to be to be able to sit in a church sermon for the day. Um, so would you say that you, I say all that to say, would you say that you are more about meeting people where they are and joining them there? Or is it about trying to evangelize and convert and spread the word? How, how does that look for you now as a, a millennial? And how is it different now for you? How do you, how do you preach differently? Yeah, I, I think that question is so profound. Um, you know, one of my mentors said preaching doesn't convert people. And I was like, we all look what do you mean preaching doesn't convert? We were called to preach to convert. Right. He said, no, preaching doesn't convert. He said, what converts people is when they see your life and they see you deal with certain situations and they see God in you through your own struggle, through your own humanity. Mm. It I get blew that. my mind. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. because even Jesus said, even when Jesus is described, you know, for those that know the Bible, John chapter one, it said, and the word became flesh. Like what converts people in this day and time is when they're able to see the preacher and see you as human and see you dealing with the same stuff that they deal with. Mm. And you you push through it and you get through it and you're able to see, find God in it. Like that's how I, that's how I am. So right now, I, I, you know, I, I told the church a few weeks ago during this pandemic, I've been depressed. I started going to therapy. And mm. so on one end, I'm wow. like, oh, my Lord, I've told this right. church <laughs> I've dealt with depression. Mm -hmm. I've told them I've had therapy. And you won't believe the number of people that hit me up like, Pastor, you just freed me. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Because because I've been depressed. I did a lesson on grief. Mm. And and one of our friends, my wife and I's friends who was in our wedding, she took her life four weeks ago. Man. And I did a lesson on grief and I just was vulnerable. I'm like, y'all, this has been something to deal with. And so many people, like in the middle of a pandemic, who ain't grieving? And grief is not Everybody just about is. death. Mm -hmm. Grief is about loss. So when you lose your normalcy, when you lose your routine, your rituals, the stuff that's sacred to you, your traditions, mm. you can't go to church for some people, can't mm. go to mosque, whatever, wherever you go. Everybody is grieving. So what I've discovered and what I love about this question is what has converted people for me is not me bamming, banging people upside the head saying, you better believe Jesus. It's me saying, hey, let me tell you what God has done for me. Mm. Let me tell you what Jesus means to me in my suffering, in mm. my tears, in, in my low moments, in my high moments. And if you relate to that, I want you to come join me on this journey of humanity. There you go. Right. And, and of transparency. And that, yes. And that has converted more people for me than me saying, you're going to hell if you don't believe what I believe. Mm. Right. That is true. That See? is so true. But here's another thing, because what you just spoke on is the reality. 
people tend to follow other people who show their humanness. Mm -hmm. They don't stand yeah. from a place of conviction right. and say, you're bad, your right. soul is deemed. They, there's someone that's or again, you I, should be doing this or right. that. We've experienced that even right. just with the content that we create and the stories we right. put out and that we tell through our, our platform. You know, right. we're just like, hey, we're just like any other like married millennial couple trying to like raise these kids and figure life out. And here's what we're going through. And the, a lot of people can relate. The more real you become, the more people tend to follow you because they understand that if this person is going through it and I go through it too, I could learn how they deal with what they're going through. Mm -hmm. But this leads exactly. me to a, a huge question, which is the business of faith. Because the business of faith is what turns a lot of people off. And I'm mm -hmm. not going to lie, it has turned me off. You know, I, I grew up in a church, Salem Missionary Baptist Church in Flatbush, Brooklyn, where the pastor, Pastor Boyd, he grew a $20 million church from nothing. From nothing. All by, by his business acumen, he was able to do things and use the resources from the congregation to build it. But in that church, he was able to provide resources to the community, which is why you understand why the church has to be a business, because you're also providing resources. But then if you look now in 2020, there's mega churches, churches worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But then there's people in their congregation who don't have much. And it makes you wonder how is it that a pastor can live in abundance, have a private jet, have a $20 million home and have all of these things, but then have people in his flock who have nothing and you have nowhere for them to go? For example, uh, remember the hurricane hit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The hurricane hit in Houston. And who's the, uh, I forgot the name of the preacher, but it's, it's a white preacher, but he refused to open Don't. up the doors of his church. Don't the call him out. Oh, okay, I, okay. <laughs> Good thing I can't remember. But it was on, it was on, it was on uh, media takeout. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah. on um, it was on TV and they were just like, you have a, a your church is the size of a stadium. There's a hurricane. People in your flock have nowhere to go and you refuse to open the doors of the church. Isn't that what a church is for? So that made me think, well, there goes the business of faith. The business of faith has become a money grab to a lot of people. Mm. How do you tell mm. people how to deal? Like, how do you teach your people how to deal with the business of what faith has become? Well, I simply put, I just tell them the church um there is business that the church handles, but the church is not a business. Mm. Okay. Um, it's all it's, it's all about, and 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 it, and it differs for different people. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I don't view my church as a business; it's a ministry. Mm. Okay. And, but I know we, but I know just because we have business to handle, does not mean we are a business. A business, okay. Uh, yeah, and that's how I've done it. And then I think too, we cannot allow the greed and the excessive lifestyles of a few to make us think that everybody is doing that. Mm -hmm. Because I that promise you, the, mm -hmm. ma the majority of pastors, uh, they are not millionaires. They do not have enough money or the, even the desire to buy a private jet. Mm -hmm. But I think the ones that get the attention, the ones, the ones that ones get depressed, mm -hmm. those are the ones. I know so many pastors right now through this pandemic are, are every week with their fingers crossed praying they can keep their doors open. That's fair. Because That's fair. Yeah. They don't have, they don't, they want to do ministry on a major level, but they're, but they're struggling because if you want ministry to go forth, you do need money. And so what I want to do is just give a shout out to the, uh, the, 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 not the mega ministries, but the ministries that are doing mega ministry. You get what I'm saying? I get you. Yeah. Right now. It, I, get it, you. Yep. I get you. I get you. It's. It's a difference. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to be a mega church to do mega ministry. Right. Okay. And and so and there are some that are trying to do that. And then the pastors, we cannot be caught up 
in it in our own flesh, our greed, leaders, period. We have to remember that God put us in place to care for people, mm -hmm. not for the people to pack our pockets. Mm -hmm. right. We're here to be a blessing. And so I'm very, you know, shout out to the one of the greatest churches on this side of heaven, Fellowship Chicago. I'm so proud that in the middle of a pandemic, we donated twenty thousand dollars to the food depository here in Chicago. That's what's up. We gave raised fifty thousand dollars plus mm. to twenty high school graduates. Wow. We gave we gave every high school graduate who applied on time two thousand dollars towards their their journey in college and in in the military. So every Wednesday we gave food away for free. Partnered with the food depository, opened up our food pantry, and gave over 3,000 families food between the months of March and July. You see, that so, that to me is that to me is where the church is a business but has to be a business in a way. Because in order to be a nonprofit organization, you have to run it as a business. The church I grew up in, Salem Missionary Baptist Church, this man did so much for the community. Pastor Pastor Boyd, oh man, he's he's one of my favorite people in the world. He he uh christened our first child. Mm -hmm. And um, he blessed him and in his in his home. But he was so smart because he was able to use his influence to not only just give money back, but also to be influenced in political realms to say, you know mm. what, if you want to have access to my flock or you want to have access here, this is what we're going to need from you. And I think in times like this, there are a lot more churches that could be doing a lot more when it comes to the political realm, because I, I do ask this question, where are all the huge like we have, we, in the back of the day, we used to have a lot of political leaders who were pastors, right? Nowadays, there's a lot of social activism, but I don't see the same political power from our, uh, our faith leaders. And I wonder where it's gone, especially these faith leaders who have these huge mega churches. How do we not hear from these, these men and women who have these huge mm -hmm. followings, who make a ton of money, to say, you know what? We need legislation to be changed, and I'm going to be on the forefront of that, even if it's not... You know, I have to go on TV and say it, but why is it not getting done? Because I knew that's what was part of the church I grew up in. Mm -hmm. I know that Pastor right. Boyd had people in political office where he could say, hey, something is going wrong at this precinct. We need to have this conversation. What mm -hmm. has happened? So having the relationship, you mean, with, like, political leaders? And Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King was a pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, he was mm -hmm. before anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, before he's Reverend yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He's a reverend. He used his ability to speak to people and lead a flock to, to get us access. You know what I'm saying? If you think about Malcolm X, mm -hmm. Malcolm X was a part of the Nation of Islam, which was a religious group. Mm. And I'm just wondering, where is that in 2020? That's why I asked the question, has faith kind of dissipated, mm -hmm. you know, in 2020? Well, you know, you know, it's a powerful book exactly on what you're talking about. It's called Where Have All the Prophets Gone by a great scholar by the name of Dr. Marvin McMickle. Hmm. And he wrote this book as if to say, you know, where have all the prophets gone? Where are all the people who are supposed to be on the front lines fighting for God's people hmm. and speaking truth to power? So he, write, he writes this book maybe 10 plus years ago. Hmm. Wow. And I, I think it'd be great for, to add to your library. I'm going to read that. Yeah, I'm going to so read that. Down. Yes. Where have all the prophets gone? And, mm. and to be honest with you, a lot of our prophets, a lot of our leaders who could be on the front lines, uh, I hate to say it, but we've been bought. We've mm. been bought. Mm. And, 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 and when mm. cash, when cash mm. means more to you than yeah. Christ, mm. when, when your priorities 
And I've heard a powerful leader say this once. He says, I want to be able to function in all jungles. So I don't say things that are divisive. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to make this group upset and I don't want to make this group upset. No, 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 you don't. So, so the sin, watch this now, I'm about to get real deep, but I'm going to make it light. (laughs) Okay. One of the greatest sins of our culture is the sin of neutrality. Yes. That, yes. You say that all you, you, the you time, just, more or less. You know, yep. you just, yeah, you just neutral. You ride mm-hmm. in the fence. No, there comes a day where you have to get off the fence yes. and take a stance. Yes. And if everybody doesn't agree, oh, I was about to say something. Uh, <laughs> I, I, say it. <laughs> I was about to say uh, I was about to say to Hades ah, with, <laughs> with, with what them. they feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it, because that wasn't Jesus. Like I'm a Christian, so just excuse me for for speaking out of my faith tradition. Jesus took stances, like he ticked people off. Right. He Rome was after him. The 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 Jews were after him. Like everybody was trying to shut this man down because he didn't care about your position, your power, your platform, your privilege, whatever. If it was wrong, if it was unethical, if it was immoral, if it wasn't helping people, Jesus wasn't standing what about it. And and I'm in that faith tradition. I that's the I Jesus that. I roll with. Jesus was a gangster. Like he was <laughs> he wasn't with the foolishness. And um and that's where I am. And so I tick people off all the time and I love it. I, I Listen, mean hey Pastor Come back here Pastor and take some more people man, off. We, I, we, we've barely scratched yeah, the surface. Yeah, we have barely scratched the surface. I mean, I was even looking through some questions we have here for you that we don't even have time for in this episode, but I would have you love back. to have you back. We're going to have you back. If, 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 I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm and here. let your yeah. wife buy you another dope t-shirt. Um, maybe a different saying. <laughs> now that you get our vibe, you know what I mean? And it could be, it'll be yeah. a vibe. It'll be a whole vibe. But we normally do listener letters um, during our episodes where people write in and they have questions. So do you mind sticking around with us for another five, 10 minutes so we can just address these questions real quick? Let's do it. All right, awesome. So we're going to take a quick break and move into listener letters, but we'll be back and we will have uh, Reggie with us, Pastor Reggie. (laughs) You know, he'll be back with us to answer some of your questions. So let's get into these ads and stick around. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. 
When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs Classic Clogs and Sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know... It doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushion. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. All right, so we're back. We paid some bills because this is a business. Um, it is a podcast, so we had to pay some bills. Some bills. And we're back to the favorite part of the show. We still have Pastor Reg with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get into the listener letters. We have one here. How do I tell my family and friends I no longer believe in Adventism or most things beyond the core Christian values? I was born in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and ah, my family has been in the church for multiple generations here in the mm-hmm. West Indies. Both my spouse and I come from extremely involved families who are strong in their faith and church ministries, and many of them will be heartbroken. Our fear is how coming out as agnostic might damage our rela- our relationships with our families. For people who don't know what agnostic means, that means that they don't know whether there is a God or not a God. They're not taking a stance on whether God exists or not. They're just like, mm, I'm not sure. Um, we're otherwise really close to them, but I know we're hiding part of who we really are uh, by hiding our lack of faith. We have no problem going to church or sharing in religious practices, and we do want to expose our children to it. But I know we're hiding who we really are by hiding our lack of faith. Should we rip the Band-Aid or slowly expose our truth? Pastor Reg, what you think? I think that's a great question. Um, whenever we go through personal evolutions, uh, whether it be in our faith, in our lives, in our relationships, It is always a painful process, but I want to tell this person, stand in your truth, and whenever you choose to be authentic, 
Whenever you choose to be authentic, you attract the people you need in your life. Whenever you choose to be false or fake or pretending, you attract the people who want you for who they think you are. But you don't need the people in your life who want you because of what they think you are. You need the people in your life for who you really are. And only when we choose to be authentic, only when we choose to stand in our truth and accept that, hey, this is an evolution. I don't know if I'll end up here, but this is where I am right right now. now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully, our family, our friends, and those who love us don't stop their love or cease their love because we are in a place of evolution. I have a friend that left the Baptist church and now she is, uh, I want to say seven day of Venice. Mm-hmm. So she grew up Baptist mm-hmm. and now she's seven day of Venice. And she was scared to tell me because we grew up together. And I said, don't you know, I still love you. Regard-. I said, if you come to me tomorrow and tell me you're atheist, I still love you. And mm-hmm. tears almost, uh, almost welled up in her eyes. I said, no, you're my friend. You're my sister. Mm. And what you choose to believe will not impact my love for you. So hopefully you're met with somebody who will love you through your evolution. I love that. that. That's, uh, I love that. That little life tip there can work with mm. any aspect of your life, mm. whether it's um, not just religion, religion or faith, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. political values, mm-hmm. um, allowing people to accept you for who you really are rather than trying to be their version of who they want you to be will give you you peace or think you are will give you peace. That's dope. And also not taking it personally. You know, I have a, a real, I had a really great friend who in her walk with finding out her relationship with the Lord, um, totally excommunicated herself from me. Um, and I, for a long time struggled with why or what I've done to deserve to be outcasts. And I, I, I was really backtracking. I was doing a lot of the reaching out. Shoot, this is like a whole list in the letter right here. Um, but it was like, you know, I was like um, really trying to figure out what I did to to cause a detriment to this relationship. And I had even reached out to some of her family. And they're like, don't take it personally, Kadeem, because she's pretty much removed herself from us as well. And she won't attend certain family functions. And she won't do certain things because her her vision right now is one you know one way and one dimensional and she sees nothing else so i kind of had to step back and respect the fact that i would no longer be a part of her life even though i know i had mm. nothing but genuine love for her um i Perfect. thought she was an amazing person i felt like we could have grown together and you know all that but i had to respect the fact that she no longer wanted to part- to, to participate in our relationship and that was hard for me to deal with in the beginning but i just you know, I didn't judge her for it. And it was hurtful in the beginning for me, but I've learned that maybe I'm not supposed to be a part of her life or a part of her walk for whatever reason. And I had to just kind of, kind of eat that, you know, Mm -hmm. another great book is the four agreements. That's my favorite book. book. Oh man. That's, that's my book. Me and my wife (laughs) love it. We can tell everybody about it, but my favorite agreement is don't take it personal. People are on their journey and you cannot, you can't take people's evolutions and transitions personally. There you go. Man, we got a lot of a lot of synergies, me and you, Pastor Reg. I, Let me tell you. I'm <laughs> over here like, y'all about to have a whole And And I'm not going to lie. I have I, I lost faith. Lost faith right. in faith leaders. Yeah. I did. I, I felt I went through a transition, and it's funny when you talked about going through a transition and understanding that people are going through transitions. So maybe at this point in her life, she may be agnostic, but understanding that she may not stay agnostic. Mm-hmm. I went through a transition right. in my life where I did not trust any faith leaders. I was like, they're crooks, they're con men, they're they're all selfish, and mm-hmm. I. But it wasn't even just them; it was just people in general. Mm-hmm. I felt that all people 
were crooks in common. I didn't trust anybody. Mm. And um, I was reading the four agreements, and I came across not taking things personal and understanding enlightenment. And then I ended up, I wrote, actually wrote this down, but this is what I came up. Learning to accept that religion requires an understanding that you are you are looking to become enlightened. When you're, when you're looking for religion, mm. you're looking to become enlightened, right? But enlightenment doesn't mean you're understanding that you know more than others. It's understanding that other people know more than you. So sometimes mm. you have to change your position. You may know more than this person, but when you're really enlightened, you realize that I may know more than this person, but I don't know as much as that person. So mm. let me change my perspective. And seek that. And seek that. Yeah. That's when I really started to change my idea about judging people. Mm. and feel, You know what I'm saying? So speaking to you today has, has kind of um, solidified my my strength in in knowing that I can trust people yeah. who are faith leaders because right. you don't hear I don't hear many faith leaders speak like this yeah you know typically it's and and it may be where I'm listening to faith leaders right. but typically it's very rigid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh they're agnostic they're atheists they're sinners you need to separate yourself from that type of people mm-hmm. it almost become mm-hmm. a, a cult like mm-hmm. you know if they don't believe what you believe cut that person out like a cancer because you want to remove all of that toxicity. The minute someone doesn't agree with you, mm. they're toxic. And listening mm. to you speak, it's more like, no, just because someone doesn't believe the same thing you believe, you can give them grace to learn right. why why they think that way. And let's mm. see what we can figure out together. Yeah. So um, I Let learned, me, I me learned tell you, lot. the Lord makes no mistakes. And there's a reason why other guests maybe didn't pan out for today and we were able mm. to end up with Pastor Reggie because I know in me seeking some things recently in my own life, I think I might have found, you might have gained you a, a whole new member. You know what I mean? No, ser- seriously. On YouTube. Come on. Seriously. Sanctuary. I, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tune in. Because we can we tune were, in together. We and were thinking cool. about where, where to go when we were figuring this out and we were just like, who are we going to bring on the show? And it wasn't until I was mm. I was reaching out to people, this don't work, that don't work. And then Charles was just like, you know, my pastor is dope. And then I was just like, well, what's right. up? And then he, he He's sent wearing me a, page. a shirt. He's been dope. What <laughs> yeah. do you mean? <laughs> he sent me a page. And then now look, things yeah, don't happen things, by accident. Not by accident. Not by accident. No. So I yeah. think this is No was coincidences. A, absolutely. Never a coincidence. I mean, we had an amazing time with you. We normally like to end the episode, like we said, with a moment of truth. Uh, we normally will give our perspective on what we take away from the episode. But I feel like given the flow that we've had, we'd love to you for you to give us, I guess, some parting words. Give or, us a devotion. Yeah. You know. Right, give us a devotion. So what's your well, moment of well, truth, thank Pastor you. Reg? You know, y'all are my new family members. I can't wait to meet you in person. That would you be know, amazing. I, I can't wait to just sit down and have dinner that would post-COVID. Be great. We're just not coming to uh, Chicago in the um, wintertime because we heard about that. So. Oh, <laughs> it's cold. It is. It is cold. She, we, she does not like the cold. You know? Well, no, I, I, well I I'll come. I well, we'll come to y'all. We'll come to y'all. All right. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but, but let me just say this. A lot of people have lost faith. Uh, so much faith in faith leaders that they don't even seek us out for the real hard questions, the real existential questions that everybody wrestles with. And I want to say on behalf of of all faith leaders, um, I want to apologize. I want to say that we, you know, I repent Mm -hmm. and um, and I'm more cognizant that we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We have to make sure that we're caring for the whole person, caring for people's mental health, caring for people's physical health, caring for people enough to give them space to grow, develop, uh, <clears throat> relearn, unlearn. And, and I want to say that as we journey together, um, 
uh, the beautiful part about nature is that it teaches us a lesson. The sun rises, sun goes down, clouds come, clouds dissipate. Um, weather comes, snow comes, rain comes, all of this weather comes, but everything is passing. And so even in this pandemic, except that nature is a teacher and that we are learning how to change with the times, except that seasons come and seasons go. But if you stay strong in the essence of all of these faith traditions, if you keep your joy, work on keeping your peace, work on being the change you want to see, work on being love, not just loving, be love, be peace, be, be understanding, purport yourself and present yourself as a person that exudes these principles, man, it'll be so many people running to you, uh, no matter what faith tradition you have, because every time they're in your presence, they will feel better about themselves because they've crossed your path. So instead of critiquing everybody else, work to become a person mm. that's worth listening to. Mm. Work to become a person that's worth being sought after. <laughs> I see you. You know, you know, I, I mean, really, you know, we, we can critique everybody else. We can, we have a, we have a, a judgment on everybody, but stop all that. Look within, work on yourself and, and let God get the glory. Oh, speak to me. Look That's past the red you got. That's a word. Tears welling up in my eyes and all sorts of stuff. That's a word. No, no, no crying today. Don't cry today. <laughs> That's what happens when you get a little moved, you know? That's a, a word. Movement. Pastor so. Reg, we appreciate you, bro. Please tell everyone no. where they can find you. Yes, please tell everybody so, where they can find you. Yeah. Hey, follow us at Fellowship Chicago every Sunday at 10 a.m. The Virtual Ship, we are known as The Virtual Ship, is taken off on YouTube, Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Fellowship Chicago. Follow me on Instagram at R.W. Sharp Jr. Um, I am on Facebook. I need to become public. So just give me a minute on that because <laughs> I'm running out of I'm running out of space running for new friends. friends. Wait, Drake's, I know. Yeah, Drake said no new friends. So I guess I'm following <laughs> that right now. But uh, but I'm on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at R.W. Sharp Jr. And follow us at Fellowship Chicago. And I can't wait Sounds to journey good. with you. Sounds amazing. Shoot, Thank after, you so much, after Pastor After this Reg. episode, I want your Cash App, your Venmo, your Quick Pay, your PayPal. So <laughs> I, I can do. send over an offering. I do feel I, like we, yes. I got I got some some words today. So thank you again so much for joining yes. us. Um, Pastor Reginald Sharp. Wait, I'm missing your middle name. Reginald Wayne, right? Wayne. Okay, yes. Reginald <laughs> Wayne Sharp Jr. All right now. Thank you so much. No, no, Be blessed. Um, love to your family. Much love. And thank yes. you for thank you for chilling with us today. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. 
O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. 